Hey, this is Evan Black, pastor of Faith for Life Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us today. If you don't yet know Jesus, I'm so glad that you're listening, and I pray that this message empowers you to give your life to Christ. If you're just starting out in your journey with Jesus, I hope this empowers you to connect with Him. If you're strong in your connection to Christ, I believe this message will empower you to follow Him. So enjoy today's message. So the first attribute of a godly relationship is a godly relationship or friendship, it fights for you. It fights for you. Turn to Ezekiel 22. Ezekiel 22. Because God knows that in your journey, there's going to be highs and lows. They're going to be, there's going to be ups and downs. And how God gets things accomplished in the earth is through his people. So the people that you are around, God should be able to speak to them and say, I need you to pray for that person. I need you to call that person. I need you to reach out to them. And it's for the, it's for the specific purpose of standing in the gap for them. Ezekiel 22, verse 30 And it says, and I sought for a man among them. This is God seeking throughout the land that should make up the hedge or make up the difference and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Therefore, I have poured out my indignation for the land that I should not destroy it. Indignation upon them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. Their own way have I recompensed upon their heads, saith the Lord God. See, God gave this, these people, this land, an opportunity to be made new, to have a new start. And he was going to do that through a person who would actually stand in defense of them, stand in the gap for them. And he could not find any. My challenge to you in this moment is don't be the friend that God cannot use. Be the person that God can go to and say, I need you to stand in the gap. Your friend is struggling. Your friend has fallen to temptation in this area. Your friend is weak in this area or another. I need you to stand in the gap for them. You want to be that person that God can use. And sometimes we feel like we're not qualified. Like we feel like, look, you know, my life isn't as cleaned up. It's not as awesome as, you know, it could be in God. And I'm struggling myself. It doesn't matter. We see throughout the word of God, he uses imperfect people all the time to accomplish what it is he needs to get done in this earth. You're enough. You're qualified. Especially... If you are a person who are in the lives of people who don't follow God, yeah, God wants to use you. Sometimes you just giving a compliment or saying things positive to them is enough for them to be encouraged. And behind the scenes, you are actually standing in the gap for them as well. So the second point is, uh, if you have your Bibles, Romans chapter 1. Um, actually, Romans chapter 12, verse 15. Romans chapter 12, verse 15. It says, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. So number two um, 
is godly relationships celebrate with you. That these are relationships that will um, celebrate your victories, celebrate the things that, that you celebrate, celebrate the things that you enjoy. They're, they're not a, a relationships that are um, opposed to you whenever you're celebrating. You also, in these relationships, are the one who is celebrating with others when they have things to celebrate, when they are in positions um, of, of joy or accomplishment. And, and what you'll find is sometimes this becomes difficult for you to find people who celebrate with you, or you may even, if you're honest with yourself, find yourself in a position where it's difficult to celebrate with others whenever they celebrate. And you have to begin to go deeper in asking yourself, why is that? Why, let's take you for example, why do you have a difficulty celebrating when others celebrate? If somebody else gets a promotion, if somebody else has something good happen, especially if it's something that you've been praying for, you've been believing for, you want it in your own life, what is it that's causing you to not really want to or even be able to celebrate with them? And when you get really down in a level deeper, what you'll find is that you'll find pride there. And, and many times you'll find fear there, and they'll be connected to that. And because they got something maybe that I wanted or they're celebrating and I'm not celebrating, because most of us, not most of us, we are all um, naturally inwardly focused just because of sin and because of the fall, it's, it's our tendency to think about ourselves first, to look to ourselves first. So when somebody else is blessed or gets something or is celebrating some area and maybe we're not in that season, then it becomes difficult because we're not getting it. You know, we see this with our kids a lot where, where um, you know, they think that everything has to be fair. And if one gets something, then the other should get something. And, and um, it was funny this past summer when my sister came to, to visit, we had this conversation at the beginning of her trip. She said, well, you know, no, things don't need to be fair, and you need to intentionally give one of them something and not the other two. And, and I understand that. That's, that's really how I was raised. Like, life is not fair. And our kids know life is not fair because thinking that life is fair is going to get you in a whole lot of trouble. It's going to cause you a whole lot of heartache. It's going to be really hard to celebrate with other people if you believe life is fair. The other part of this is you don't really want life to be fair because if life is fair, then the moment that you sin, guess what? <laughs> so we don't even want life to be fair. But my, my sister said, yeah, you know, you, you need to make sure and you need to do that and, and don't always get them two of this and two of that. And I was, I'm just smiling. She doesn't have any kids. So by the end of her couple days with us, she was getting in the car. She was about to leave and she said, you know, next time I buy one of them something, I'm going to buy both of them. <laughs> She's talking about the boys especially because they're a little bit older. I'm going to buy both of them something. And, and, and why is that? Because with our, our nine-year-old and our six-year-old boy, if one of them gets something and the other doesn't get something, they're so focused on themselves. They're not celebrating with their brother. They're concerned about why they're not getting it. Yesterday afternoon was... Um, uh, mine and my oldest son, we, we have some time where we just go hang out just by ourselves. And I was telling the six-year-old son that, that we were about to go. And he was like, well, well, what about me? And I was like, buddy, me and you already had our time. And he was like, well, can I go with y'all? No. 
No, that defeats the purpose. Can y'all stay here? No, no, no. You don't think you're registering. And, and, then, and then he, this wasn't really even about spending time with me or his brother. This was about what was he going to do while we were gone. And so, so we all have that childlike um, nature in us that want to focus on ourselves. And to truly be in godly relationships, you need to be in relationships with people that celebrate you. And you need to be someone who celebrates others, even and especially if it's something that you wanted or something you've been praying for or something you've been believing for. Because many times, even when you do that, that is a spiritual seed for God to be able to bless you. You know, women have a little bit of a reputation at being more of haters for each other than guys do. Can we be real for a moment? Y'all know, I don't know what it is about women that have this comparison. And I don't know if guys are this way, but I know with women, we go all the way from your curl pattern in your hair to if you got good feet. I mean, from head to toe, we done critiqued and analyzed all the way through and through. Now, there are some ways, and I would say even strategies, that you can go from, if you're the, if you're the chick that cannot celebrate with others, there's a couple things that I know I do in my life that help me to not be that girl. Number one is compliments. If you find it difficult for you to compliment somebody, especially if you think they got it all pulled together. You know, there are Sundays I show up here, and you're like, oh, my gosh, I love your outfit. And I'm just glad I remembered to lotion my ankles today. Let's just, I'm, just, I'm just saying, you know. But you are maybe looking at an outfit or this or that, or if it's on straight, whatever. But if you can bring yourself to one another, give a compliment, that, that puts you at a place of vulnerability, and submission to the person you're talking to. It takes a real woman to give, and I'm not talking about those sideways compliments where you like, that's cute. I got cousins like that. That's cute, where you get that from? I'm telling you, y'all know who's seen it before. Yes, yes, you've seen it. You wanna be able to give a compliment, and you can tell when someone gives you a compliment and they're wishing well for you. Man, I really like that or whatever it may be. There's always a compliment you can give. Another thing, ladies, I wanna say, is you wanna make sure that you can bless your enemies. Your enemies look different. You may feel like, man, I'm, I'm kinda one of those chill, you may feel like you're one of those chill personalities that never offends anyone. The enemies is not always someone who's against you that you've identified as against you. They're an enemy to you. They're who you see as being a threat to you. They may have no beef with you and not even know that you feel like they're a threat to your security. They're a threat to you getting a man because in my small group, he's the only guy. And I think you need to be showing up with gifts for all, all the other women in the room next week to make sure that if, they, if you feel like there's an enemy that's come up for you in your heart, I need to bless those people. I need to make sure I'm giving a tangible compliment of, hey, I saw this, thought you might like it. There it is. Bless. So if you get a gift next, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Let's turn to John 11. John 11, and we're going to start at verse 1. The third 
purpose of a godly friendship, a godly relationship, is that they'll seek God for you, but guys, they'll, they'll point you towards God. Verse 1 says, Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. A godly relationship will point you to God. Some of us have uh, friendships where we're in a place of, you know, we're good listeners. We're, we give good advice. And before we know it, that advice and things we give, people around us, they, they come to us. We're their source. They, they come to us and they tell us because they know we're going to give them good counsel. But when you're in a godly friendship, that person will ultimately point you back to God as the source. They don't allow themselves to become the crutch for the people around them. So that means before they get off that phone, they're praying with you because they're saying, hey, let's both go to God the source. They're pointing the, the way you have your breakthrough, your healing, the way you get through the situation is not just through my counsel. I feel like sometimes mothers can easily allow themselves to become the crutches for their children. We have to be careful that in all the wisdom that we have and all the things that God has helped us to get through, that we don't become that woman that is so comfortable being the woman that we're not pointing our children to God. He's your source. You got a problem you're dealing with? Babe, I want to pray with you right now. Let's go to God about it. He is the source. And that's one of the ways you raise godly children. In marriage, in marriage, your relationship with your spouse should point you back to God. So that spouse is not becoming even a crutch for you. They're not the person that, if I just tell them, because some of us were actually friends, you should actually be friends with your spouse. Can I say that? Like, you should be friends first. And especially if stuff starts going south, you should be able to fall back on the fact that you're friends. Just treat them like a friend. They can be failing you in every area, not showing up for you. But you're like, you know what? At the very least, as we rebuild, we're about to be friends. And I can be a good friend to you no matter what. I'm a good friend to strangers, other people, coworkers. I can be a good friend to the person I have a covenant with. That's for somebody. But you want to make sure that your marriage, your relationship, you are pointing people back to God. Something about this passage of scripture is Mary knew that when her brother was in distress and he was ill, that she was going to seek out Jesus. He wasn't nearby. She had to send people out to help her find where is Jesus. She was going to be that person that was going to find Jesus and make sure Jesus knew what was going on with this person that Jesus loved. Lazarus was a dear friend to Jesus. Well, you want to be that friend. You want to be that person that will go to Jesus for your friend and say, I know they're down, I know they're dealing with this, or I'm not sure exactly what it is, but they seem off today. I'm going to find Jesus. I'm going to talk to him, and I'm going to tell him what's going on. I am going to make sure that he hears on behalf 
of my friend. And when they talk to you, you are pointing them again back to God. Yeah, you're giving them practical advice. Yes, you're giving them counsel. But you ain't the end-all, be-all. God is. And we want to make sure a godly relationship points us back to God. And then number four is uh, godly relationships are honest with you. And and you are honest with them. So uh, go to Ephesians chapter 4. And as you're, you're turning to Ephesians chapter 4, I want to read to you Proverbs chapter 12, verse 22. It says, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are his delight. That's strong words. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. There's other translations and other verses that tell us that the Lord hates when we lie. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of scriptural examples of this, um, a, lot of, a lot of scriptures that, that reiterate this. You know, I always think of Ananias and Sapphira. Um, if you don't know that story in the book of Acts where, where they lied uh, to, to the men of God, to the Holy Spirit, but they also lied to other people. And um, those are some pretty severe consequences. If you're not sure about that, Google that. And, uh, and, and, and we're not, <laughs> but it's, God is not pleased whenever we lie. And I think even unbelievers have an expectation and a recognition that if you follow Jesus, you should be someone who doesn't lie. You know, the unbelievers sometimes have a higher moral standard and expectation of believers than some believers do. But even those who don't know anything about Jesus, if you tell them that you are a Christian or you are a follower of Jesus, one of the things that they will expect of you is for you not to lie. And I think we understand that, but um, when we read Ephesians chapter 4, I'm going to read, I'll read verse 25, but if you go back a few verses, here Paul's talking about taking off your old self and and putting on your new self, meaning once you give your life to Christ, you are no longer the person that you were before that, you are now a new creation in Christ, and so God makes you new, but then after that, you begin to live it out. You begin to put on this new man, if you will. And in verse 25, it says, therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. So um, not just staying away from lying, but also speaking truth. You know, there was a time in my life where I, I stopped lying but I was really good at not speaking the truth. You know, um, uh, you could say something that is true but not be all of the truth and intentionally leaving parts out of it um, for the purpose of not facing the consequences of what it is that you wanted to say. Our kids do this. They do this. Somebody did this morning. One child walks out. A six-year-old comes down the stairs. I'm like, hey, is, is that sweatshirt clean? Is that jacket clean? I don't know. I got it out the floor. I said, I'm like, okay. Well, I want you to think hard and give me an answer. I need you to tell the truth. You gotta, sometimes you got to challenge them into truth, and it does not feel comfortable. Yeah, and many times if something will happen at school with them, this is a, a great example for me. And, and so I'll ask. Um, so a couple weeks ago, uh, the boys get in the car, and the oldest son says, Josiah, I heard you got in a fight. And I'm like, wait, what? And Josiah said, no, I didn't get in a fight. And that was it. 
And the oldest one, he doesn't have, like, he, okay, he's done. He doesn't really care that much anyway, whatever. He's on to the next thing. But I'm sitting there like, wait, wait, what? What happened here? So, um, Josiah, why does Isaiah think you got in a fight? I don't know. And he's probably playing Legos at the same Yeah, he's in the back. He's in the back with Legos, in the back seat with Legos. And so, so, okay, so now I still have no information. He hasn't lied to me. And I said, okay, well, Josiah. Then I said, Isaiah, Isaiah, why do you think he got in a fight? He said, oh, one of my friends said that um, they saw him pushing this other kid. So, and Josiah hasn't said a word. He's just, Josiah, were you pushing this other kid? Yes. Did y'all get to fighting? No. Well, what happened? I pushed him. Like, come on. <laughs> like, I said, Josiah, I do not want to ask you a hundred questions. Just tell me what happened. He said, well, um, I pushed him and then he pushed me back and then I pushed him. Okay, but why? What happened? What, why did you push him? What did he say? Like, don't make me ask. And, and, and I'm telling you, it, it, at that point, he's like, I don't remember. He doesn't care. He doesn't remember. Like, I don't know. And if I'm going to get the truth, I have to ask 100 questions. Who said what first? What did you say after that? Like, tell me the whole story. The whole story is he said this, I pushed him. No, 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 no. What'd you say in between that? Something happened in between that. So he that. looks like a liar just because he's withholding the truth. And if people perceive you to be a liar, to them, you're a liar. And as Christians, they will discount us immediately if they feel like we're lying. So after 4,200 questions, then you finally get to the bottom of what happened. And along the way, he never lied to me, but he also never gave the truth. He never told me what I needed to know. And, and part of this and being a Christian and loving people and living in forgiveness, it becomes a blurry line of, of truth. It becomes a blurry line of when to share the difficult things or how to share the difficult things. But in John chapter 1, we're told that Jesus was full of grace, 100% grace, but he was also full of truth, 100% truth. He wasn't half grace and half truth. He was full of grace and full of truth. Um, one of the things that was said at the XO conference this past uh, weekend uh, by, I believe, Jimmy Evans, he, he said, grace always has to go before truth. So whenever you're giving truth as a Christian, grace needs to go before the truth. Because truth with no grace is mean and won't be heard or understood, but grace with no truth is meaningless. So you have to have grace and truth, and grace must go first. Because if you go with the truth first, if you come in and just bombard people with the cold, hard truth and then try to follow that up with grace, it, it, it feels and sounds like you're just covering up something that you've already done, trying to fix some damage that you've already created. But if you come first with grace, then many times someone is open and ready to hear the difficult truth. But to withhold the truth is to withhold a portion of what's required in a godly relationship. Because God expects us to give truth and to be able to hear and receive truth because he is full of truth. So when you look at these four purposes, um, these are not the, the exhaustive list, but godly relationships fight for you, 
Godly relationships celebrate with you. Godly relationships are honest with you. Um, and godly, godly relationships seeks God for you. Then you need to look and see, are you in those relationships? And where do you fit in those relationships? And, and how are you doing those things for the relationships that you are in? So many times you start looking around and saying, I don't have any relationships where any of this is, is present. Well, then here's how you start. You start by being those things in relationships before you try to get those things out of relationships. But all of this starts with uh, following Jesus. Because if you're not following Jesus, then these things are not just difficult. They are impossible to do in, on a long-term basis, on a consistent basis, on the, in, the, in the level in which God wants us uh, to do this. Well, if you enjoyed today's podcast, there's a couple things I'd love for you to do. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. You can also invest in helping us empower others to follow Jesus by texting any dollar amount to 512-520-0185. Thanks again for joining us today on the Faith for Life podcast.